Welcome to Wash Talk, the podcast series from IRC, where we talk about water sanitation and hygiene services around the world. My name is Jeroen Westerbeek, and together with Katharina von Seca, she is from IRC. Uh, in this episode, we'll talk about a systematic approach for a sustainable wash infrastructure. We'll do this with Patrick Moriarty. He is the head of IRC. You go into a village and you find broken down pieces of water supply infrastructure everywhere. And people aren't asking themselves enough, why is it that what's there already has broken down? We live in a world where more people have access to a mobile phone than access to clean and safe water sanitation and hygiene. Around 660 million people in the world do not have access to an improved source of drinking water. And 2.4 billion people, that's one third of the world's population, live without adequate sanitation. To improve this, a long-term systematic approach is needed for WASH services. Katarina, you're leading the International and Innovation Program at IRC. Um, Why is the access to safe drinking water and sanitation so important? Well, you don't imagine uh, that you woke up this morning and you could not go to the toilet because you didn't have one. And you also didn't have any potable water at your home. You probably by now have lost a couple of children before they reached four years old because of waterborne diseases caused by diarrhea. And your wife is every morning and throughout the day a victim of harassment because she doesn't have a place to, to go and relieve herself. So now imagine this in terms of numbers. For instance, in India, every single day, 1,600 deaths are caused uh, by waterborne diseases. That's equivalent to eight jumbo jets with 200 people crashing every day. So you can imagine the impact this has on, on the economy as a whole, on people's health, but it's still just scandalous that this is actually still an issue. And uh, we, you and I, uh, take for granted water and sanitation, but this is still a very, very big problem in most parts of the world. And that's why we need a very sustainable solution for this. In the studio today is the head of IRC, Patrick Moriarty. Welcome. Thank you very much. A long-term service solution for wash services, that is our topic today. But first, to get to know you, you're the head of IRC. Um, You have a background in civil engineering. You're from Ireland. What makes a civil engineer from Ireland so passionate about wash? That's a a great question. I think, how how can you not be passionate about wash? Katerina just gave you some of the statistics, you know, and I've, I've spent more than 10 years of my life living primarily in Africa. And I think if you spend any time at all living in places where there isn't wash, I spent four years living in a hut in a village in Zimbabwe when I was a, back when I was a student doing my PhD work. You know, I didn't have a, I had a pit latrine, which is better than a lot of people have. And I had to fetch water from a well that was probably half a kilometre walk away. And yeah, you really get to see that that's hard work, even when the well's working. And then a lot of the time it's not. Yeah, so that's your motivation. And you've said, well, every year thousands of wash projects fail because we're now going to the solutions for it um, because of short-term targets and interventions rather than uh, long-term solutions. Um, Can you explain what you mean by that? Sure. You know, we're not the only people who think that access to water sanitation and hygiene is really important and it's a human right. And there's lots and lots of people working in charities and NGOs, working for people like the Dutch Development Agency, DGIS and others, who want to help to solve that challenge. 
But the danger is that in the rush to solve a really pressing need and to make sure that some people who don't have a well today have a well tomorrow, that that's all we focus on. And we don't ask ourselves why it is that there isn't a well there in the first place or why it is that there is a well. And I've seen lots of this and Katerina's seen lots of this. You go into a village and you find broken down pieces of water supply infrastructure everywhere. And people aren't asking themselves enough, why is it that what's there already has broken down? So what went wrong? So typically what went wrong is that not enough attention was put into uh, creating the necessary, yeah, it's hard not to be nerdy about this, but the necessary systems, the necessary structures to ensure that the uh, well is working. And just to make that a little bit less nerdy, that means making sure that there's a village committee put in place to look after the well. And a lot of people do that. But it also means making sure that that village committee has access to a bank account to save money for when they need to buy spare parts. It also means making sure that there's somewhere to buy those spare parts from. It also means making sure that there's some sort of technical support that's available to those folks once it does break down and they need to to fix their pump. So when none of that is in place, not surprisingly the hand pump or the well that's been given to people breaks down. So that's what we call then the uh, systems approach where everything needs to be in place to, to be sustainable. That's that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. What are the main obstacles and the challenges to, to build such a systems approach? Honestly, I think uh, uh, some of the biggest challenge probably is the need for quick fixes. You know, whether it's the Dutch government or parliamentarians who are trying to hold people to account, quite rightly, for spending taxpayers' money. And they they say, well, we want to know how many people have been served this year. And we've given you X million euros. So now tell us how many people have access to water and sanitation. On the one hand, that's right. We should be careful with taxpayers' money. But on the one hand, that means you've got a huge incentive to go after quick fixes rather than, say, to invest in something like uh, putting money into training for training for engineers in Ghana. Yeah, but that's uh, not sexy at all. Which you know, isn't if you sexy need to sell it that's right. to people funding your projects. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's our biggest challenge. We're not that sexy. Okay, but frankly, neither is the fact that 30% of infrastructure, water supply infrastructure in Africa not working at any one time. That's not sexy either, nor the billions of dollars or euros of wasted investment that that represents. So I'm, I, actually, I suspect that sexy is part of the problem. And you ask what the challenge is, the desire for quick, sexy uh, re- results is part of the challenge. Let's see if we can find some sexiness in Honduras. <laughs> I think we have um, Steph Smits on the telephone at the moment. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. The senior program officer from IRC. Um, you're in Honduras, um, where you work with the initiative, and now trying to pronounce it right, Para Todos Por Siempre. You don't. It's Para Todos Para Siempre. Oh, so that's why I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, what does it mean, actually? It means everyone forever. And it is an initiative that, on the one hand, tries to provide everyone with access to water and sanitation, and on the other, tries to make sure that these services last forever. Hence the name Everyone Forever, or Para Todos Por Siempre. And who are working together in this initiative? So we work together with, with some 10 
international NGOs that work on providing water and sanitation in Honduras. We work together with some 30 municipalities who in the context of Honduras are the ones responsible for ensuring water and sanitation. And we work together with the different national government agencies uh, that are in charge of, let's say, that uh, that uh, that uh, to create that environment in which services can be provided. So, but does it bring? Does it show the urgency? And does it bring everyone on board to uh, go for a long-term solution? Well, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. I think um, sometimes there is the sexiness when you see municipalities that have indeed managed to provide water and sanitation to everyone. But that often also becomes the moment of not being sexy anymore because then you calculate and and you assess that maintaining that infrastructure, maintaining those services costs money. And that's often not the the message that the mayors want to hear. So they're happy to, to build new infrastructure, to cut the ribbons of a new... Uh, water systems, but they don't necessarily like it if they hear that they will need to continue spending ten dollars per person per year for them forever to make sure that those systems uh, systems keep on working, and that is a difficult uh, message to to get across. And I think it's a difficult message to get across to everyone. Patrick, is is this something that is a global uh, problem that people want to have clean water, want to have sanitation, but they do not want to pay for it? Yes, I think that's true. And I think it's true at a number of levels. So often we have a problem, you know, right down at the level of communities, households who are going to have uh, water or sanitation service and are used to the idea that it should be free. So that's that's one part of the problem. It can be get difficult to get people, users to pay for the service. But there's another part that I think is is actually more important than that and bigger than that, which is that Over the last 20, 30 years, there's been a tendency for governments to think that it's not their business to pay for water and sanitation services over time, that you know all the expenses can be put onto the users. They sometimes call that community management. Yet, you know, if you look anywhere in the wealthy countries, be it in the Netherlands or the US or anywhere, we'll see that actually government is subsidizing these services very heavily. So a big part of the work that IRC does uh, with our partners in countries to try and make governments more aware of their responsibility to also contribute. And that's what you're trying to do as well in Honduras. Um, Can you give an example of how you try to convince these governments, these mayors, all the the, the parties actually involved to get them on board and to understand that it's necessary to contribute to uh, these systems? Yeah, we do that. And I think one of the, the the ways of doing that is actually by going into the finances, uh, by, by going into the finances, by going into the numbers. So we have done studies uh, to assess how much are people paying now for their water, because in Honduras, yes, communities do pay. So that's already better than what Patrick was describing. But we try to assess whether what they are paying is enough. And then you see that communities can pay quite a bit of the costs, but not everything. Um, And we want to know how big that that everything part is. So so the remainder, which cost cannot be covered, and uh, how much then would need to come from the local government and how much would need to come from the national government. Because I think um, many 
times the municipalities, the local governments, they also have very limited finance. So trying to, and that is really the, the hard, uh, maybe not, not even less sexy work, is really doing the hard number crunching of who pays for what and who can pay for what. Um, and once you start then showing the graphs, then you can have also a more meaningful discussion because uh, yeah, often we fall back in stereotypes of saying the people are too poor to pay or the municipalities are too poor to pay. And I think our work is to show, yes, municipalities and communities often have little money, but they have some. Yes. And we can try to assess whether that some uh, is enough and then also to say where the gaps are. And I think that is an important part of the of the work. Okay, thank you very much. Steph Smith, Senior Program Officer at IRC in Honduras. Um, back to Patrick Moriarty, the, the head of IRC in here in our studio. Um, this example from Honduras, is that a good example of a systems approach for water sanitation and hygiene? Yeah, I think so. I think, look, IRC, in all of our work, we try to champion that as you said yourself, that very unsexy uh, uh, approach that we call systems change or systems building. And I think, you know, you were asking Steph, how is it that we get people to engage with it, even if they're never going to see it as the most sexy or exciting stuff in the world? Uh, and I think some of the most powerful evidence that we bring to the table is actually evidence of failure. So when we go out into the field and we map the, pr we identify where, all the water points are, and we begin to bring back data on whether they're functioning or not, that's often extremely confronting to people because they've been happily thinking that they've, they're reducing the number of people who aren't served and maybe they're down to only 10% who aren't served. You know, in, in a lot of the districts where we work, you actually discover, well, maybe 20 or 30% more aren't served because stuff is broken down. But it may be that there's another 50% on top of that who aren't served because actually the service is really poor. It's lousy. It doesn't work half the time. It breaks down. It's not repaired. They have to wait two, three, four months for a mechanic to come in and repair the system. And all that time, people are going back to drink out of a stream or a pond and opening themselves up to the sort of infections that Katarina was talking about. So basically, giving the numbers, giving the facts actually is quite convincing for most people. It's definitely a start. That's where you begin to get people to accept that there's a problem. And in our whole approach, which it's not about us going and saying, this is how you do it. It's about bringing that evidence to the table and then supporting people to say, okay, we've got a problem. We've invested tens of millions of euros into rural water supply or rural sanitation, and it's just not working. So now what are we going to do about it? And that's where we open up the discussion to the sort of things that Steph was talking about in Honduras. Yeah. And then certainly you need everyone on the table because, you know, you're looking for a systems approach. So different partners being involved. Um, is that a successful approach? Does it actually work to get all these people on the table and to um, go for this um, for this one goal to have safe drink, uh, drinking water and uh, sanitation? It's work in progress. I, we definitely see signs of signs of change you know if i think of some of the work we've been doing in ghana we've definitely changed the way our partners there in, in national and local government think about what they're doing they're thinking in terms of long-term service delivery they're aware 
of my friend uh, Clement Bogasse, who's the chief uh, executive officer of something called the Community Water and Sanitation Agency. He talks about a time bomb. He says all these small towns that we've been, where we've been bringing water supply over the last 10 years, spending tens of millions of euros, it's a time bomb because we're not properly dealing with the uh, everything that's to do with the operation and maintenance of those systems. So that awareness is there now. Where we are making less progress than I'd personally like to is actually in getting the next level of government involved. And that means going outside of the National Water Agency, but really talking to the Ministry of Finance or preferably talking to the president. You know, that's where uh, our, our organization, IRC, is putting our focus now, is really trying to get the highest levels of government, the executive levels engaged and excited about this issue. And that means bringing different type of evidence, not just the evidence about the breakdowns, but also the economic evidence that helps a minister of finance to understand why it's a good investment to put money into a social sector like water. And that's basically push about all about putting down on paper the sort of savings you make by not having to treat people who have chronic diarrhea, not having to deal with all the losses to your uh, to your economy that come from having people sick all the time. And then let the numbers speak. Thank you very much, Patrick Moriarty, the head of IRC. Thanks for being here today. Um, Katharina, to wrap up, what are the most important takeaways of our very interesting talk to the uh, to Patrick Moriarty? Thank you, Edun. Well, I think uh, it's obvious there is still a disconnect between the, the urgency and the scale of the problem, which is a human right, human right for water and sanitation, and the proposed solutions at the moment, which are very short-termist. Um, this need to actually work beyond the community, the village level, and to engage with the government systems, with the policies, the regulation, the institutions, the money that is actually needed to provide these services. Unless you go from this very micro level to the bigger system, change will not happen at the pace that we want it to happen. And the last point is, yeah, it's asking the hard questions about sustainability. Uh, for how long are your wells or toilets or pumps actually working? What's the quality of the services you are providing? And bringing this evidence not only to, to the government partners and to the other stakeholders, but also giving the citizens a voice to hold their governments and uh, service providers accountable, because that's what we do here. When services are not functioning, we we have a space to voice um, our, our problems. And I think some of this space is also lacking in the countries where we're working. Thanks, Katerina. Um, well, that's it for this episode of Wash Talk. If you want to hear more from Patrick Moriarty, please check out his TED Talk on Systembus approach. And if you have any comments or questions about anything you've heard, please get in touch with us via our website, ircwash.org washtalk, or on Twitter using the hashtag washtalk. You can also find us on Facebook. In the next episode, we'll be talking about financing wash projects with Bill Kingdom. He's the global lead for water supply and sanitation in the Water Global Practice from the World Bank. Thank you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by RRC, an international think and do tank that works towards finding long-term solutions to global crisis in water, sanitation and hygiene services, mainly in rural areas. Mm-hmm.